Flinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Crystal's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, instructors around the globe. It is Thursday, January 11th, 2024. You heard me right, 2024. Uh, we are live. It's Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And this is episode 570 of Trek Talking. And boy, have we got a great show planned for you guys tonight. But before we go too far, I want to let you know that we have a copy of Patrick Stewart's memoir, Making It So. And we want to give it away to you right now. All you have to do is go to trektalking.com and click on the blue talkback mic located in the bottom right-hand corner of of your screen and leave us a message and tell us why you deserve to win the book. We will collect all the recordings, we'll pick a winner, and we'll announce that winner on our Book Nook episode on the 25th, which we will be reviewing the book. So good luck to everybody. And uh, as I said, we have a really, really good show for you planned here. And I just want to give you a little hint, a little little teaser of maybe what we might be talking about. We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to serve as us. Resistance is futile. Jeez, I think everybody knows who those guys are, huh? So um, we have with us right here on the line, Elizabeth Dennehy. She is in the house tonight. She first appeared as Shelby on TNG's episode, The Best of Both Worlds. The character was seen again on Lower Decks episode uh, from season two, An Embarrassment of the Dupler. And then she appeared on Picard as Fleet Admiral Shelby. And she's going to be with us here to answer your questions and uh, talk to you guys live on the air. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. That's 646 Two, four, three, three. So please let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now, and we'll get you on the air live with Elizabeth Denhe. But before we bring her on, I want to introduce you guys to our Trek experts. We'll start off with Andy Bray. He's down in Tennessee tonight. How you doing, Andy? Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I'm doing great and looking forward to this show tonight. It's very exciting. It's- I can't wait to talk to Elizabeth. It's going to be a fun one. We also have with us from Portland, Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, I'm doing fantastic. I had a great day, and it seems like things are just getting greater and greater, which is the kind of day that I like to have. So, yeah, let's keep this ball rolling, man. 
It's Friday's Eve, so that's it is. great. And also from Portland, we have Paul, the toy guy. How you doing, Paul? Hey, Uncle Jim. I'm doing great, my friend. Doing well. It's been a very interesting week out here. <laughs> so we're keeping that uh, theme escalating uh, tonight. And I'm super excited because we have Star Trek royalty in the house today, man. Yes, we like, do. I'm, I'm super pumped. Uh, very, very delighted uh, to that we get to spend some time with this guest. So bring on the fun. Bring on the fun. And while we're lingering around in Portland, we have our very own David, the donut guy. How you doing tonight, David? Ah, pretty good, pretty good. Unfortunately, no donut tonight, but I but, cannot wait to talk with Elizabeth in the virtual verse. So, you know, you're fired. You had one job: bring the donuts, ah. and you did that. <laughs> but did you bring the triples? <laughs> um, somewhere. They're, they're, they're around here somewhere. So <laughs> somewhere. All right. And the last Trek spurt we have, we're going to go all the way out to Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right, trying to stay warm. Hey, Portlanders, thanks for the weather. Seriously. So- we're about to get a bunch of snow, brother. It's going to be crazy. Oh, yeah, we got some of your snow already. Oh, and Eric, we got one of the good admirals. Uh, yes. Yes. That's, At last. That's right. At last, one of the ones that we like. (laughs) That's right. We always have bad, evil admirals, but we have a good one tonight. Um, So we have 133,256 downloads of our podcast as of right now, and we have over 205,735 likes on our Facebook page. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for making that happen. Our phone number is here are 646-668-2433. We have with us the Borg specialist herself, Elizabeth Dennehy, better known to us as Elizabeth Shelby. Well, hello, Elizabeth. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm good. Very good. It's going to be So uh, I just wanted to start off... Um, I wanted to ask you if you remember your very, very first Star Trek convention. I remember vividly. It was um, in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was me and George Takai. And I was so terrified to get up and talk and do the Q&A because I thought everybody was going to hate me, that I had three Bloody Marys before I hit the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was well, so I'm nervous. Sure, I'm sure George helped out with that. He's great. <laughs> no, I was too ashamed to let him know. I would, you know, the thing is with actors is like I love having a character and I love having a script, but to just be myself, I was terrified. I was so nervous and I didn't know what to do with myself that I just went, went to the bar and before I knew it, oh my God, I'd hit three and I was just like, okay, now, now I'm not scared. I'm fine. I'll be fine. And it was, we had a blast. We, it was really, really fun. And uh, I remember uh, in the 90s sometime, I remember seeing you at a convention and the only pictures you had on your table was the headshot of Shelby when she's in the elevator with Riker. And I remember, I remember you saying at the t- when I came to get an autograph at the table, and you only had that one picture. And I remember you saying that you hated that hairdo, and you wish you had other oh. pictures. 
So I was wondering, yeah. all, ever since 1991, has that hairdo grown on you? No pun intended. Or, or do you still hate it just as much now as you did then, like when you see reruns? I hated that hair. And the, the problem, so first of all, nobody, like back in 1990 when we shot this, there were probably on-set photographers, but I didn't know anything about it. And I was only, I was 28. Uh, Jonathan Frakes said to me, you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen to you. And I said, what are you talking about? I had no idea about conventions or anything. If I would known, I would have made some kind of contact with somebody to get, a, you know, a proper – the picture I have, I think it's actually a lift from a, VF, from a um, VHS. TV. It's like a terrible, terrible picture because I started getting asked to do conventions and I didn't know what else to do. So I have that, that it's a cut from somebody's TV set. Literally, that's what it is, not a publicity still. But I had, I was not prepared and nobody contacted me to give me anything. The hairdo, I despise. I hate that hairdo. <laughs> so I'm 28 years old when I shot that. And fresh, you know, new in L.A. And and the woman who did the hair, I don't remember her name, but she was an old lady. And it was an old lady hairdo. And um, she, I have curly hair, naturally curly hair. And you need to really know what you're doing with curly hair to give somebody a sleek, stylish look that would work for space but doesn't look like an old lady hairdo. And then the funniest thing happened the uh, second episode is a direct pickup, right? You know, fire. And then we come back after the whole summer, and it was a new hair person. And she was young and hip and cool and stylish. And she said, but guess what? It has to match the exact – it has to match. It has to be exactly what you had before. And I was like, ah, oh, first You again. finally had your shot. So, <laughs> but then I finally, finally got my revenge – 30 years later when I was invited back to play Admiral Shelby and it was the first thing I said. First thing was, I don't want to wear the, or please tell me we don't have to wear the jumpsuit and I need to totally rethink my hair. And the first thing I said when I came in for fitting and makeup, it was like, please don't make me look like this again. It was like Jane from F Troop. Do you remember F Troop? Jane from yeah. F Troop. It was like, so from like the 50s, it was so awful. It literally was a teased beehive. It was horrible. <laughs> that's, that's funny. So then so when I wanted... came back and did Picard, they just kind of like pushed it back in a, in a nice sleek bun and, you know, uh, a chignon, and I, I liked it much better. Yeah, so the hair, the hair was its own character in that show for me. Yeah, I... That's funny. I wanted to ask you uh, what it was like growing up with a famous father. Uh, did that have any effect on you deciding to go into acting? And did you ever uh, go to the set with him? And or was it kind of a separate thing, a separate life, and it was separated? So that's a that's like a three hour conversation um, that's oh. right there. Uh, so here's the thing: when we were growing up, when we were kids. He, you know, he wasn't famous. He wasn't, like, successful and making money until, like, I was 18, 19. So growing up with an aspiring 
struggling actor who, you know, sometimes we had to, we rented out our house. We left our house and moved in with my grandparents because we couldn't afford to heat the house. I grew up on Long Island in New York. So um, it was really, really rough those early years. I mean, we believed in him. We believed that he was really talented. Uh, but it was it was a roller coaster ride um, until I remember when he was when I was 16, um, his first movie came out, which was semi tough with Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson, and it, he was great. And after that, he started really getting lots and lots of parts. And then when he did Ken with um, Dudley Moore and Bo Derek, that was when things really started to take off. But it was a long time of struggle and um, financial insecurity and not knowing where we were going to be living and, you know, just kind of a crazy gypsy life up until then. So that was that. And, of course, it influenced me because um, all my other friends, I went to an all-girl Catholic high school on Long Island called uh, the Academy of St. Joseph's, and all my other friends, their fathers were working for the telephone company, and they put on a suit, and they were gone in an office or a cubicle all day, and that seemed not very interesting to me. Um, I always loved performing. I loved singing. I loved acting and dancing. So, But I think if, if you ask my family, they would say I wanted that before he even knew that he wanted it. It was a hobby for him, but I don't think he – before he even knew that he was going to take a crack at make a, li- a living at it. So um, me and my sisters, we were always doing shows, and we were in his place. He did, um, he directed uh, community theater growing up, the Amityville Community Theater on Long Island, and he directed, like, Carousel, and we were the Snow Children, and we were the No Neck Monsters and Cat on a Hudson Roof, and that was normal <laughs> life for us. Mm-hmm. Like, I meet people... When I meet people nowadays who didn't play the fairies in The Tempest with their father, Stefano the Drunk, in, you know, and he directed it too, and I'm like, I have to remind myself that that's like kind of a crazy life. We, we, were, we were, you know, the, the expression born in a trunk is a little romanticized, but we, that was normal for us, that my mm-hmm. father was doing shows and we would go to see them or be in them, um, and we... When we were at home, my sisters and I would play all musical theater albums and act them out. And, you know, I made him audition me for Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl when he was directing that, and I was 13. So it was a kind of, um, it was kind of exciting and thrilling. And we were really, really proud of him uh, pursuing his dreams. I mean, I can remember some of my friend's dad saying to me, where did your father get the bravery? Where did he get the courage to risk so much? I mean, my father was like 25 and had three kids. Um, my mother was 19 when she gave birth to me. My father was in the Marines at Camp Lejeune. So it was like a crazy thing to say, I'm going to ditch everything else and attach my whole you know, future to this slim, slim possibility. Thank God he was really talented, and thank God he had good representatives who saw something in him and really fought for him. So it, of course, influenced me, for sure. And I got to tell you, what, you know, my father died in uh, April 2020 at the very start of the pandemic, but before that, 
nothing made him happier than people stopping him in restaurants or airports and say, saying, um, excuse me, are you Elizabeth Dennehy's father? He would call me every time. He, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. So funny. That's great. There's Star that. Trek everywhere. Yes. So I, I have one more question uh, before I, I turn <laughs> my Trek spurts loose on you. So, <laughs> so I, I have a little clip that I, that I want to play for you. Okay. Security right. officer's log. Stardate 3177.3. The Enterprise is currently en route to deliver an atmospheric... Okay, my thing is, it's acting up. That's not the clip it says it is. It's done, 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 done. Yeah, it's, all right. <laughs> That's okay, because <laughs> Jim's going to enact like, it for us. <laughs> yeah, the, the clip that it's supposed to be... And I'm going, okay... I am what? totally stumped. I have what? no idea what I was. <laughs> was I <laughs> That's okay. I don't know why it says. Anyways, the clip that I was going to play was the scene where you're in the turbo lift with Riker after you walk out of Picard's ready room, and you have that conversation about him snapping you back, and then you uh-huh. you say to him, "If you can't make the big decisions, make room for someone who yeah. can, and you're in my way." That whole conversation out. And I wanted to ask you what it was like working with Jonathan folks like that and what it, what it was like to come on to an ensemble, um, you know, cast like that and kind of be not the bad guy, but the person that's shaking things up and, like, you know, being a nemesis to the characters that we loved so much. Okay. Before I answer that, I want to tell you a really funny story um, that is seen. Um about, oh gosh, maybe, I can't remember how long ago, uh, Patrick Stewart did a TV show called Blunt Talk that was executive produced by um, Seth MacFarlane. And um, we were really good friends with, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who was in that show, short red-haired guy, oh my God, I'm, his name is gone. Oh, Aiden Scarborough. Oh, Aiden, Aiden Scarborough, Scarborough yeah, is a good friend yeah. of ours. A good friend of ours. And, uh, and so we were invited by him to go to the premiere of Lunch Talk at the DGA, and there was going to be an after party at the Chateau Marmont, and my boys were there, and we were so excited. And turns out, of course, everybody from Next Gen was there. Marina and Gates and Michael Dorn and Brent Spiner, everybody was there to support Patrick. So I, it was a great reunion. was so happy to see them. We go to the party after. Oh, Seth MacFarlane gets up on stage and he says, I was the biggest Star Trek fan. I am, there's nobody more into Trek than me. And my dream has always been to work with Patrick in some capacity. We came up with a show. I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled. I'm so happy to be here. So happy you're all here. So then we go to the party after the show. And, you know, Mama had had a couple of glasses of champagne. And I took my sons, who were about 11 and 13 at the time, and I brought them over to meet Seth MacFarlane. And I said, so, you're the biggest Star Trek fan, right? The biggest Next Gen. You know everything about Next Gen. And my kids are looking at me like, where's this going? And I said, well, I'm Lieutenant Commander Shelby. And he looked at me, and he stood back, and I was like, oh, my God, where's this going? And he said, well, that means. You're Elizabeth fucking Dennehy. I suppose that's why someone like who sits in the shadow of a great man, passing up one command after another. Decade, Battle Bridge. He said all of my lines from that scene. Oh, my God. And my sons were looking at me 
like, oh, my God, who are you? <laughs> She's a superhero. Wow. <laughs> so that, cool. So, I mean, you should never miss an opportunity to look really, really cool in front of your kids. But that was totally. such a gamble. I that love was it. such a gamble. Like, he could have looked at me and said, I have no idea what you're talking about, lady. Right, right, right. So I – it was it was so fun. So yeah, that that was not the first scene we shot. So Pat, uh, Jonathan and I got to know each other a lot before we shot that scene. And he is um, he worked with my father, so he knew my dad. They had done theater together in the early days in New York, and so really nice. Took me under his wing. Something that I don't think a lot of people realize that really changes everything you know about best of both worlds. When we shot the first part, we had no idea what was happening in the second part. We only had the one script. Mm-hmm. We had no idea where this was going. So he and I talked about what if I turns out that I'm a board in disguise? What if I am a double agent working both sides, one off the other? What if we end up falling in love and end up falling in bed? We had no idea where this was headed, where it was going. So we very strategically planted Easter eggs of like, okay, if she's a villain, maybe a little smirk here after I save the day with, you know, scrambling and phaser frequency. If they have heat for each other, we need to put that in the fighting scenes. Like, she reminds me of me, and I like that in her, but it's also shaken up my world. So we very, everything was very, very calculated ahead of time during that whole shooting, that first episode of there being, um, you know, disdain and, um, and uh, resentment, but there also is a little bit of underlying huge respect there. Uh, and so playing like two truths at once all the time, like a really three-dimensional, 360-degree encapsulation of a relationship, you know, imagine that. So, um that was planted very early on. And then the other thing that factored into that scene was Jonathan is really tall. I don't know how tall he is, but he's, I would say, good 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I'm 5'6". He way taller than me, and I was also, like, only 28. It was literally my first job when I moved to L.A. And um, Cliff Bowles, the director, said to me, when you're standing there and you tilt your head up to look up at him, it almost makes you look like a little kid, like a little schoolgirl. He said, you've got to square your shoulders, plant your feet, root them, look at him as if you're looking right into his eyes, but you're not going to give him the benefit of, like, craning your neck up. And that literally gave me my entire character. It was cool. the best acting note I've ever gotten in my life. Wow. And because you're on camera and it's not on – if it was on stage, that also probably would have would not have played. It would have looked – he's clearly, you know, 12 inches taller than me. But on camera, it really worked, and it made me just like, you know, oh, you know over my dead body. Like it just gave me a toughness and an aggressiveness, and, and it showed that I was not intimidated at all. And it gave me my whole character. I'm so grateful to him. And I was so happy and so lucky that I got to tell him to his face when we did the, um, the Blu-ray, the, 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 uh, when, they, when those episodes were released on Blu-ray, he and I did commentary. 
Cliff Bow and I, and it was great. I got to tell him that and thank him. So um, there was a lot. There was a lot going into that scene, and uh, I felt so safe with him and so, um, you know, I could just let my, you know, all, no hold fart, no pull no punches, just let it rip. And it was great. It was great to feel like I was supported and safe in doing that. It, it came off on screen really well, too. The other, the other thing that I think is really important to know, and I, I am very humble about this now, but I never watched the original series, Next Gen. I had no idea, that had no context whatsoever. I showed up on set with this script, and I said to John, oh, you're afraid. I thought it was the baldy guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is, 19, this is in 1990 where now if I get a job, I look up, previous episodes on YouTube to find sure. out who everybody is. Sure. Yeah. We didn't have computers. We didn't have phones. We had nothing. You couldn't even mm-hmm. go to the library and mm-hmm. look up a book on Next Gen. There was nothing. There was no no context. I had never watched the original series, never, not a sci-fi fan. The only episodes of Star Trek I've ever watched are the ones I did. <laughs> so because of that, I wasn't intimidated. I didn't have reverence. It was just another job, just like it was for Shelby. Wow. I rolled in, well, and I was just like, roll up the shirt sleeve, let's yeah. get to work. You've got yep. a problem to solve, here I am. <laughs> and I think that was actually a real benefit. If I had known what I was getting myself into, I think I might have been intimidated. I would have come at them too reverentially, too much respect, too kind of cowed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. This which job. was not her job at that moment, right? Like her job was to come in and do, like you said, do a thing and do it like to the best of her ability and knock it out and not take anybody's shit. (laughs) Exactly. And And I didn't care. I didn't care if they liked me or not. I had a job to do. I'm the Borg exterminator. Where are they? Let's go. Let's get to work. Yeah, yeah. And that's a tremendous breath of fresh air, you know, frankly. I think that's one of the reasons that people love your character so much, you know, what, 33 years later, right? Because, uh, you know, it really brought, you know, refreshing conflict back to Star Trek, which had kind of, you know, during the first couple seasons of the series, it was very calm, right? It's, oh, it's the future, and we've evolved beyond friction and personal dynamics, and we all get along, and you come in, and yeah. you, right from the get-go, you chafe with the top guy, right? I mean, you have no problem speaking truth to power to Riker, and everyone's like, oh, my God, she's flinty. She's ambitious. She, she speaks out. But, but you're like a feminist, man. You don't hold back. And it paved the yeah. way for all the subsequent characters that would show up that were, I think, you know, pressed off of Shelby, like Rolaren later on, right? And because I think that you opened the door with that character and brought a fresh, freshness that was really missing. So it's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I... He, one of the first things um, uh, Jonathan said to me was, you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen to you. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he said, you know, the conventions. And he said, no, there's never been a, 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 a cliffhanger. His, um, his uh, authority had never been questioned before. He would look at me and just smile. And I was like, get out of here. Nothing's going to happen. And boy, oh, boy. And I would go the conventions and everybody coming up to me and going, oh, I hated you. You were such a bitch. And it was like, 
that wasn't very nice. I didn't like that. Nobody does that anymore, though. Well, no. I would assume that that actually Shelby is probably read differently in the 21st century, you know, now here and now than she was back in the day because I, you know, we've all read the stories about people saying that about her back in the day. I personally, first time I saw her, was like, holy crap, this is great. It's a woman who can like actually not well stand up to Picard, more stand up to Riker, I guess, but like just yeah. do the things that need to be done and i think that in the culture of that time you know yes if you weren't if you weren't kind of in tune with that being a natural thing <laughs> then you might have considered her bitchy which is ridiculous yeah. i think because, by today's standards because look at the way uh, it is interesting you bring that up my friend because i mean things do come across culturally very different now when you go back and watch that episode right when uh, it, he, when shelby's first introduced in the opening scenes right and there's the uh, oh who is it admiral hansen right and he's there and and uh, he's having a conversation with picard and he's like oh just an old man's fantasy i mean it's cringy right the way oh, he talks God. about shelby <laughs> Can you imagine anybody <laughs> saying that now in a TV or a no. movie? Oh, oh it would, you watch it. I watched it. I'm, I admit I watched both of them again last night because I'll take any excuse to watch that episode, right? And it was just like I just like practically spit out my beverage when you said that. Like, <laughs> like, dude, come on, man! You're like in a huge position of authority. Are you Harvey Weinstein? I mean, what the hell? I mean, it's just you know. <laughs> Terrible, but uh, but it's great. But I just love that Shelby just doesn't none of that. She's unflappable, and she doesn't really ever back down. And it's not that she, you know it's a real mistake to think that she's just out for her career and that she's ambitious. She just wants to get stuff done, and uh, and she yeah. wants to make sure that uh, she's not patient with uh, with inefficiency and uh, lack of competence. And so she just gets in there. She's like. Yeah, you know, one of the greatest moments I have is where you know they're trying to stop, stop the you know the work party. They're like, "Oh, we've been working really hard on this problem. Uh, we got to be done." And, uh, and Shelby's like, "May I please have permission to continue working with Mister Data, who doesn't require sleep?" Yeah, <laughs> that's, yes. that's a yeah. great moment because you just want to keep going, right? She just doesn't have an off switch. I love that. Yeah, and she's just she's the girl in the classroom with a hand up going, oh, 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 you know, straight A student because she's bubbling mm-hmm. over with ideas and I've got a problem to solve, so I'm going to solve it. And I'm thinking of all these different ways I can solve this problem. And meanwhile, we've got this guy thinking all the things that can go wrong and being really careful and cautious. So, uh, you know, it's frustrating. And um, also, you're new in, on the ship and um, she didn't care if she was liked or not. Also, you know, there's that whole thing. Oh, I heard that you were leaving. He was invited to be a captain on another ship, and they're waiting to hear his answer. There was that whole thing. And it's like, of course he wants to captain his own ship. Oh, you're not leaving? Really? What is wrong with you? Right? Yeah. 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 She's ambitious. She would take it. Yep. And uh, we have a caller on the line, Elizabeth. Oh. Let me see if my finicky computer will answer the phone. And uh, let me see here. Hello. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello. Hi, uh, Jim. It's me, Edwin. Hey, how you doing, Edwin? I'm doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. You enjoying the show so far? 
Oh, very much so, very much so, yes. Hi, Elizabeth. Good to uh, hear you this evening. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Hi. I'm good, thanks. And you? Good, good. Great, great. Um, I just want... I just wanted to say that, like, uh, Best of Both Worlds is my favorite TNG episode or story. Um, and I, I really like that Shelby comes in as a, a breath of fresh air, uh, challenges Riker, who's ruled the roost. And um, I think it's interesting to see that, you know, there's this conflict between them in the first episode. And then the journey through the two episodes, you see uh, Shelby sees Riker as someone who, like, why aren't you moving on? And she, she like, then comes to get a healthy respect for him. And he comes to respect her. He sees what he used to be in her. And I like that whole journey through the two episodes. So I, I think your character was a, a refreshing change. And the other thing, I was watching um, season three of Picard, and I, you know, they did a really good job of not having spoilers leak out from that show. And when I saw you on the Enterprise F as an admiral, uh, my jaw dropped. And I was like, I was so glad that they got you back. And uh, I'm just wondering if you could, like, tell us a bit about how that came about, the journey of, like, you know, how they reached out to you, you got the script, and, and, and so on, and how that all transpired, and what you thought of your character's fate as well. <laughs> I uh, this is a this is a wacky story, and as, as it turns out, it was a complete coincidence. But um, in in November of 2021, like think back to when what it was like. You had to wear a mask everywhere, anywhere yeah. you had to go. You had to. I, I was invited to do a convention in London, oh. so an 11 hour flight with a mask on, and um, you know, remember you had to submit you know, uh, test results and uh, yeah. vaccination mm-hmm. status and all. I mean, it was a lot to go through to travel. And I flew from L.A. to London with my husband and John Billingsley and then kept the mask on for a two-hour cab ride into London. Go to the convention. We all had to be tested at the door before we went in, were allowed in the convention. And I met for the very first time Alice Kreej. Is that how you say her name? Yep. Oh, yes, yeah, uh, the board queen. Yeah, the board queen. Yes. And we got on so well. Like, she had worked with my dad, and we were talking and gabbing, and I loved her. And I said, oh, my God, we have to take a selfie, and I'll tweet it. It'll, everybody will lose their minds. <laughs> so I did, and I tweeted, you know, Shelby with the board queen. And, you know, for me, it went viral. It was like 2,000 likes and, and shares and whatever. And so that was a weekend in November 2021. I came home from London on Monday morning. Tuesday morning, my agent called and said, they're inquiring about your availability for Picard. And I was like, after 30 years, how can that be a coincidence? (laughs) But I asked them about it on the set, and they were like, they didn't know anything about it. And so it was just a complete coincidence. So that was in November of 2021, and I was like, sure, yeah, that's cool. I've been waiting 30 years for somebody to remember. Um, and I got the script. And I, w- I was sad that it was just a speech on my own and that I wasn't going to be interacting with any of the cast. But you had to remember what it was like back then. There was no social um, social distancing. And every yeah. time I had to go to a wardrobe fitting, 
I had to um, take a test that day, write my name on it, send it in with the date. Like you, they were, you know, just being really, really stringent uh, protocols. So everybody was socially distanced and we wore masks. And um, I loved the speech, but I really wish that I had uh, interaction with, um, with the rest of the cast. I was excited to maybe work with uh, Riker and the rest of them. I was glad I was promoted to Admiral. And also, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't like the way they were talking smack about me while they were watching me on the TV, on the screen. Agreed. (laughs) They were dissing me. Agreed, they were. I thought it was disrespectful. I think I saved all all your asses. Many times. Right? Yes. Yes. I, I saved them. So I didn't like that very much. But hopefully... It turns into something. I honestly have not heard anything, and I don't know anything. But uh, Terry Madalis has said that, you know, unless you see the last breath and, you know, she's not dead, I don't know. I'll believe it sure. when I see it. No body, yeah. no death. That's the rule in exactly. Star, Trek. Star Trek. Lots of people have come back from the dead in, in Star Trek. Yep. That's, yeah, that's yeah. true. We, was it Spock said we've been dead before? <laughs> and Data you know, died like twice. So there you go. Show, it aired in April of 2023, and I shot it in February of 22. So pretty good job keeping that really quiet. Yeah, that Amazing. was impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Very. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed that. You're story. so Thank welcome. You. Thank you. You're Thanks. so welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks for Bye. calling, Edwin. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jim. Cheers a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So, Andy, you've been awful quiet. At, did you want to talk to our Borg specialist? Did you have any questions? Absolutely. I didn't want to step on any toes. There were so many good questions being flung at her, but I'll, you know, I'll fling one. And I just uh, want well, you all to know, I, want, I think it's important that you all know that you guys are more of a Borg specialist than I, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't ask you any technical questions. <laughs> no, no, no. When we'll people ask me, they'll, they'll say, what was your phaser frequency set at when you're on the Borg uh, ship? And I'm like, oh, oh my geez. God, are you effing oh kidding me? <laughs> that was my question. I hope that's not a serious question. That was David's well, question. I have an acting question for you. Um, I wanted to ask you, speaking of of your episode in Picard, I know it was just a speech on your bridge, um, but 30 years had passed from the episode in TNG, Best of Both Worlds, to the episode Vox in Picard, and something actors love to do is create backstories for their characters. So I was wondering if you had created any backstory to fill in the gap between your appearance on Next Generation and your appearance on Picard, and if so, could you share it with us? Huh. Um, well, to be honest, I didn't think about it for 30 years until they called me. And then it wasn't uh, until I got the script where, you know, I, I had no idea what was going to happen. And then I saw the script and I was like, oh, an admiral, that's nice. And then, of course, I read, you know, the nasty things they were saying about me. And I was like, oh, man, I thought I, I thought it would have been more seen more heroically. Um but, you know, just that um, really, like, married to the career, you know, career-driven. And um, I haven't even thought about, like, a family or anything like that. No, not really. Just uh, I mem- memorizing that speech took a, a lot of my brain power. 
So not not really, but mm-hmm. leave it up to your imagination to fill in. And I'm sure fans will happily do that. 30 years, that's a lot of imagination to put to work. Well, exactly. when you were shooting Best of Both Worlds, um, there was talk um, about Patrick Stewart leaving the show. And part of the reason that whole episode came about, that cliffhanger, was in the eventuality if he had left the show, they were going to make Riker the captain and I, I suppose Shelby first officer on the Enterprise and continue the series as such. Were you aware of any of that? Were you kept in the loop at all? And if you weren't, how would you have liked to see Shelby explored if you got to be a regular on TNG? Um, I didn't. I was not aware of that. When you're a day player, you're like the bottom of the call sheet, you know. No, so nobody, nobody. I didn't know anything. I did think that um, when I saw the second script and I thought they resolved the story so quickly, and then they just, you know, th- you know, Shelby leaves. I thought it was tied up pretty neatly, and I, you know, when I, whenever I would hear that they were using, I, I didn't hear that they were thinking of. Um, of if he left, of making Riker captain and getting a new first. But I thought I had heard somebody say what they were doing was showing him that if you leave, we'll move on, you know. And uh, I don't know if he was asking for too much money. I'm not sure what was going on. I, I, I've heard all of this rumors, but after the fact, I have no idea if they were even thinking about seriously doing that. But, um, I, of course, I, I was not aware. And I think that, I think it would have been really interesting to have that Riker captain in the, as the first, but I kind of felt like um, a, the, the dynamic, I wonder if it's not kind of the dynamic he already had with Marina, with, um, with Troy, which was, you know, they, had, they already had a close relationship. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, if it had been all business, I, I really, I never really thought about it, honestly, um, what it would have been like to have been there. And, you know, you have Marina there who is sort of like his sounding board. What would Shelby have been, you know? And if they were enemies or rivals or jealous of each other, how long would you be able to carry that on for while working side by side? I don't know. Not it sure. would have been an interesting dynamic for sure, but yeah, I think we, we got something similar in in one of the later series where they tried to, to have characters who didn't always see eye to eye and bunted heads a little bit more. It would have been ahead of its time for sure. Okay. As long as I didn't have that awful hairdo, I would cut it. <laughs> 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 All I cared about was, and yeah. not only not only did in Picard did I get to fix my hair and have like nice sleek you know kind of cool hair, um, they uh, they we didn't have the wedgie jumpsuit anymore, which is so uncomfortable. Yeah. That one piece uh, onesie, oh my god, horrible, horrible, horrible. So um, that was a definite improvement. Oh, Elizabeth, really cool. did you did you keep anything from the set, like a com badge or a rank insignia or anything? No. Do you have any memento from the set that you can tell us about? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Sorry. <laughs> no. Nothing. Oh, well. Nothing. Just that awful, <laughs> awful picture. 
the VHS still from the mm-hmm. from the TV. <laughs> but now I go now I go to conventions and people do have better pictures of me that they've gotten. Well, now that you're a fleet, now that you're a fleet admiral, you're the captain of the Enterprise. I'm sure there's some good pictures out there. I should hope so. I should hope so. Yeah, I haven't uh, gone to one since, but I would love to. Well, maybe maybe we can make that happen. We'll see. <laughs> so, Charles, that you've been be awful great. quiet. I love, I, love going to, I love going to the convention. Did you have any questions, Charles? I haven't heard from you. Oh, like, yes, I can definitely throw some comments in. Um, right off the bat, I'd say conventions. We would love to have our Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah, I've I've done that before, and um, yeah, I would definitely love that. And it's great because it's a drive, you know, it's not that yep. far. So yeah, I would love that definitely. Yep, make it so. Well, I'm here. In... Yes. Make it so. Well, they're always looking to get those hundred plus actors. And people at the convention, so they're always looking for people. And sometimes they even give away free tables for people just to get them out there. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, the, the ones I've done, I've really enjoyed. After the first one, when I realized people, I was afraid people were gonna, weren't going to like me because I was not a, a fan of sci-fi or Star Trek before I did the show. I thought they, people would think I was an imposter and I didn't uh, deserve, and people could not be more lovely. They were lovely. Everybody's always been great. Oh, I've seen people with just go roll and fans love them to meet, meet them. The conventions are such a welcome crowd. Uh, are you familiar with the series Lower Decks? Um, I've heard of it, and I know that they use the animation, right? The animated Shelby yeah. in that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that would be, I would love if that came back, and I did a voice for that. That would be so great. And I really liked the drawing. I thought I wish my neck was that skinny. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It was the animation. It's really it, fun. Yeah. Well, that was very us, fun. Just the fact is like. Wow, that theory just wants to go through and make so many recognition to Star Trek that it was just really fun for them to say, okay, well, here's Shelby. She didn't make Captain. Here's, here's her number one. It's like, okay, there's a great recognition thing. Shelby's still out there. Fill in that backstory. Yep. And I don't know if you've ever caught into what's going on in gaming at all, but they just put together a great little miniature game kit called Star Trek Away Mission. And they started with a base box. And it's like, okay, it's Starfleet versus the Borg. And since the Cutus is over there on the Borg side, who do we get? We got Shelby on the Starfleet side. Cool. So it's like Shelby's still out there. It's one of the people that people fans or the players are still looking out for. Yeah, she's I a love very it. memorable I love character. It. Yes, that's so great. So it's like that's she, so great. But 
but so nice to say that Shelby's a character that we're still recognizing. We're still bringing back. I, it's so funny. I uh, um, ran into Michelle Forbes on the picket line, so we were able to l- have a laugh about being brought back. And she and I are old, old friends. We go way, way, way back. We were on The Guiding Light together in, oh, my God, 1985. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, so um, we had a, we had a laugh. We, she and I were actually dressing roommates on The Guiding Light. We had a good time together. <laughs> She was at my wedding in London, uh, in Ireland. She came to my wedding. Yeah, dear friends. Cool. You know, everybody in Hollywood knows everybody. So, like, yeah. another of my <laughs> really good friends is uh, yeah. Rosalind Chow. Rosalind Chow is a good friend. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, we all know each other. And uh, that's a funny story. I was When I first moved to L.A., I was doing a play down at a theater called South Coast Rep. And in the play was this English actor called Simon Templeman and uh, an Irish actress called Barbara Dowling. And Simon called his wife and to check in and hung up the phone and he said to Barbara, my wife just got cast as your husband's wife on Deep Space Nine. Barbara was married to Colm. Simon mm. was married to Rosalind South. That's how everybody knows everybody. That's so funny. There's so many layers, overlapping layers. Exactly, exactly. I love yeah. the thing. So, that's, so kind of, that's kind of interesting. So since we're talking theater, maybe we can sneak in uh, a question or two about your love of Shakespeare. I understand you're a you know great trained actor and you got some Shakespeare under your belt and maybe have some opinions about that stuff. And, and I'm very curious about the connections between Shakespeare and Star Trek. And um, Oh, yeah. So I so I have two questions for you, and you can choose to talk about one or both, or kind of in you know tandem with one another. But one is which work of Shakespeare most resonates with you, you know, for whatever criteria you set, and then which work of Shakespeare do you think would resonate most with Shelby? Oh gosh, um, I put you on the spot a little bit, but I figure you've got the knowledge, so yeah. uh, you know. And don't and say the taming of the shrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would get, if you switch to genders. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I, so I love. I've always loved The Winter's Tale. One of the things um, I love about that show is um, it's. You know, it's a, it's a fairy tale. It's a fantastical fairy tale. You know, the woman coming back to life after 16 years of being a statue. Um, and once you do something like that, then anything can happen, which I think is kind of cool. When I was a freshman in high school, uh, freshman in college, I was assistant stage manager for a production of The Winter's Tale. And it was fantastic production. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. And there's an actress who's kind of well-known, named Margaret Colin, who was the lead in that. She played Hermione in that. And uh, she's done some Broadway plays and some films and stuff. But uh, that that really rooted in me a deep love for that play. But I think King Lear is now my favorite. And um, uh, I don't know what... I would think that Shelby would probably really like As You Like It a very strong female lead, Rosalind, who tries to solve everybody's problems. And sometimes she gets in trouble by sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. I think that Shelby would, would love, um, would love, enjoy as you like it. 
Oh, that's great. I love it. Uh, you, so you that the I, I need to watch both those shows over again so that I can refamiliarize myself with them and see the <laughs> connections because <laughs> certainly haven't seen them in a little while. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, do you do some? Do you still do some teaching on the side too, or is that kind of something you used to do in the past? It's something. Well, you know, all my life when I was acting, you know. I would, we, friends get together and they work with each other on auditions. That's a very common thing. Sure. Somebody yeah. would say, oh, I have to do a self-tape and, or, um, you know, come, would you run lines with me? And I've always done that for friends and I'm actually really, really good at it. And when my son auditioned for this arts high school out here in Los Angeles called the Los Angeles County High School for the Arts, and he auditioned for the theater department, um, and he got in, and then I became like, you know, the volunteer theater mom, I would start helping. A parents would ask me if I would help their kids with auditions. And my girlfriend, Shannon, was like, why are you just giving that away? This is something that is really, really valuable. You should charge. So I started doing that, and I really love it. Like for, I don't know if you guys know this, but for, College, if you want to be a theater major and you want to go to a conservatory, let's say DePaul, the DePaul Theater School, which is where my son went to after after LOXA, um, you need two contrasting monologues. One of them is Shakespeare, one of them from a contemporary play. And I love putting together two very different, like one, your, your Shakespeare is comic or dramatic and then something, blow their minds with something completely different. I love doing that. It's really fun. And by the way, don't tell me anybody this, but I would totally do it for free because I enjoy it so much. But I do get oh. charged. I do get charged. So I was, I've been doing that for forever. I've got three kids coming over to my house this weekend to, to get ready for college. Um, and then about 2016, they have, they have a Shakespeare class at the school, and the head of the theater department said, we're losing our Shakespeare teacher. Is that something you would like to do? And it's two, it was two days a week. And I did that for about six years. And after teaching remotely during the pandemic, I was done. I, I, that, that just yeah. was aging me rapidly. Yeah. So I did that for about six years. And, yeah, i um kind of obsessed with Shakespeare. Love it. Yeah. And, <laughs> by the way, weird, weirdly, last week I there's a group in L.A. that I go to see every single time they perform. They do improvised Shakespeare plays. Oh, wow. I contaminator, rhyming oh. couplets, plays. Eight, uh, 90 minutes long, totally improvised, totally wow. improvised. They are wow. hilarious. And last week, Patrick Stewart was on stage with them. Oh, my goodness. Uh, feel free to, to advertise the name of the group. What is it? They are called the Improvised Shakespeare Company. Love and it. they perform. They tour. They tour all over the country. If you ever get a chance to see them, they are freaking genius oh my gosh that sounds not amazing. only is it amazing like like the, the the language that they use it's hilariously funny because they're thinking on their feet sure but they are also very they're, they they are very moving it's very moving yeah and like un, an unbelievable feat of dexterity which i would by the way never do never. oh you're not I a never you're not an improviser, I, per se? You know, it's funny. I did Tony and Tina's Wedding. I was one of the creators of Tony and Tina's Wedding, and we improvised that. 
But I didn't feel, first of all, I wasn't trying to uh, do rhyming couplets and iambic pentameter. Um, that was more like, <clears throat> you didn't have to be funny. You just had to be real. Mm. You know, I was one of the bridesmaids at the wedding. Yeah, yeah. And if the audiences were told that they were going to a real wedding, you wanted them to believe they were at a real wedding. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't that pressure. <clears throat> this the, the pressure would just kill me. I, I would never... I took an improvised course recently, and one of the teachers said, you have to make a few bad pancakes before you make the good pancakes. you got to stop <laughs> so being true. afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid to make a bad pancake. I yeah. cannot make a bad pancake. I, oh. I just can't do it. I can't the do risk. it. So I cage myself. Yeah, I just it just doesn't work out for me. So, But anyway, he was there, and I went up to him afterwards, and it was uh, great to see him. I couldn't believe he was up there doing it. Oh my gosh! Well, the best. He's uh, like eighty-three. He's oh, like eighty-three. Oh my! Yeah. I guess you're right. My goodness. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, the uh, the best improvised comedy I've seen is absolutely um, you know been ones where the improv improvisations make the other actors laugh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you wow. know, where because it's so good and they just can't kind of keep it together um that just uh, to me that brings a lot of joy to the whole craft so yeah i love it <laughs> yeah that's uh, really fun cool uh paul hey what else you got buddy well i i was gonna go down the shakespeare road myself man because that's something i'm a, a big fan of but i'm also really I, I like to peek over the hill at the next thing coming right and i uh, I heard that you got involved with uh, with Kevin Costner doing a, a Western called Horizon. Is that anything that yeah. you can tell so, us about? Oh, yeah. he. Um, uh, it was so funny because I quit the teaching job because it was aging me rapidly. My husband was like, well, you've got to find something to do because you're going to drive me crazy with just hanging around the house. <laughs> so right after that, I auditioned for and was cast in, as an Irish woman, Mrs. Reardon, so Horizon is supposed to be a four-part movie series. So part one is airing, I mean, it's going to be screened. He, it's big screen. Big screen, two, four features. Um, I shot it in Moab, Utah in September of 22. And then I went back and did Horizon 2 in June of 23. Um, and then uh, God only knows when we're going to get to. I'm not in movie three, but I'm in movie four. Um, and he stars in it, wrote it, and is directing it. And he's just the most lovely man. Sienna Miller is starring in it, Sam Worthington. I play Michael Rooker's wife. We are Mr. and Mrs. Reardon. Oh, Michael excellent. From the, uh, yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. Cast. Yeah. Amazing what a, what a cast. cast. Incredible. What a cast, yeah, what a cast. Um, and I, I literally was on the plane going to Moab with Michael Rooker and thinking three months ago I was a high school theater teacher. Like, how is this my life? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I met Michael on the plane, and he was like, how's your Irish accent? And I was like, it's pretty fucking good. How's yours? How's your Irish accent? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that is coming out in June, and I'm hoping that it will be a massive hit. I, for some reason, I keep getting cast in Westerns, and I am a New Yorker who moved to L.A., 
everywhere else. Sorry, you guys, flyover states. I, I guess I'm the epitome of a coastal elite. It's so funny that I keep getting <laughs> like which ones are in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I did uh, Lazarus Man um, with Robert Urich, and that was shot in Santa Fe on the Western Town. And um, and I got to tell you, I loved every second of it. I love the costumes. I love the hair. Moab, Utah is so beautiful. Every single day, we were just crying at how beautiful it was there. Golden hour, just unbelievable. Hmm. Uh, if you've ever been, and I would, my days off, I would get up before dawn and drive into uh, Canyonland and Arches to watch the sun come up. Just nothing like it in the world. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, well, I think so, it's yeah, going to be a huge so hit, is my guess, because, I mean, Costner knows Western so well. I mean, he's yeah. just a, a, you know, he, he de- preaches the whole gospel of him, right? He knows the genre back and forth. So I think he's got a huge uh, fan community that will come out to support this. So I think you're going you're gonna to get a lot of interest from that, uh, is my prediction. I hope That's it's going to be a big hit. He deserves it to be a big hit. So much care and thought has gone into this, like, um, imagine this. He's telling a large part of the story. He said this in interviews. He wants to depict how hard it was for the indigenous people and how hard it was on women. And that's, those are two very, very strong themes in all four scripts. Yeah, so the, the white people are not the heroic people. And the men are not the only heroes. And so it's going, it's a story that is far long overdue, telling the, all the different points of view of everybody affected by the westward expansion. So really super cool and uh, long overdue, I might add. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm so excited for it to come out and to hear what people think. Um, it's sort of like, I don't know, you probably are all too young for Lonesome Dove, but it reminds oh, me of no. Lonesome Dove. <laughs> Sprawling, Remember it sprawling, well. All Remember these, it well. All the, I mean, there's 170 speaking parts. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm honored and tickled that I got cast. And it was, it was really, really cool to be the, a woman my age in Hollywood and get a part. And it's sort of like, oh my God, if I had like facelifts or Botox or work done or had my lips done, there's no way I could get this part. You know what I mean? That's kind of great because mm-hmm. you go to meetings and stuff like that all over this town and you see everybody who is doing all that. And um, I w- I, just because I was scared to, I haven't. And then it's like, oh, my God, if I had, I would never. You, you couldn't do a part like this, right? So I think it's harder and harder to find women of a certain age who look like real people. Yeah. So that was very, val- very validating and um, just tickled that. Um, and I get to play an Irish woman. My husband's from Ireland. So, so cool. my husband and Colin Meany have been friends since they were teenagers. They go way, way, way back. And, uh, and so to be able to exercise that muscle has, was really cool, too. Really very cool. I'm excited to find out about your character and to see this uh, this production. It sounds incredible. Yeah, you and Rook are together too. That's just that's unreal. That's really cool. Yeah, he is a trip. He's a trip and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a wild man. That's going to be incredible. Well, uh, again, I just uh, 
so excited that we were able to, to spend time with you on the show here. I mean, it's just uh, it's oh, a treat. It, it's been a real treat. I mean, uh, people forget, right, that, you know, I mean, every now it's like you can go on any streamer of your choosing and you can, oh, I don't know how this episode's over. I'll go watch the next one. But, I mean, there'd really never been like a cliffhanger like this before that people had to wait, you know, months to find out what was going to happen. I mean, it just it kind of changed sci-fi episodic tv really i mean it was really historic wow. and you're just such a huge part of that mm-hmm. you know i mean it's well, just I wonder, it's I want, incredible i want to remind you all you had to wait all summer long not knowing what was going to happen so did we we didn't see the script until we got <laughs> you know we're about ready to work but yeah. i spent that summer not able to eat anything oh. i couldn't eat anything or drink anything because it was a direct hiccup. I, we started right where we left off. And so I was like, terrified of gaining an ounce. Terrified. Oh, so sure. I literally, yeah. That whole summer, I ate, I ate nothing but fruit. Literally oh. that summer. Oh, God. That, that would yeah. be like kind of a weird situation to be put in, but, you know, where you sort of have to maintain yeah. this thing just to look a certain way. Yeah. That was, and I remember... um, you know, wearing that skin-tight spandex jumpsuit, like, unforgiving, totally. Which, and which I they have... When I, yeah, go ahead. What? No, go I, got, I got charmed. I was uh, played a, an elder on Charmed, oh, and yeah. I was like, ooh, okay, I hope I play, like, an evil sorceress or something like that. And I show up and like, no, you're an elder, and here's your big flowing right robe. And I was like, I can eat. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's good. I can hide a sandwich under this thing. This is awesome. <laughs> exactly. With John Delancey. See, it all comes full circle. Mm-hmm, it sure does. Everybody knows I remember, everybody. I love it. In that episode, uh, when, when that Best of Both Worlds cliffhanger hit, I remember the big deal because that episode made the TV Guide's top 100 episodes, and it was right there with Who Shot Jr. the cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It's a big yeah. deal. It was right up against it, yeah. It, it was right well, there. Well, Patrick that's, Stewart that's, tells oh. a story about how People used to hound him. He was driving down Pacific Coast Highway, and someone pulled up next to him and hounded him about how he ruined their summer because they needed to know how it ended. <laughs> Did anybody pressure you, Elizabeth, to find out how it ended? I know you didn't know even at the time. We didn't acting know. You know I would say ended, I, you know more than I do. I have, I have no idea. And I was really glad. Did you have friends who were eager to find out, and, and you had to tell them, I don't know anything, I don't know anything. The hardest thing, the hardest thing was having shot Picard in in February 22, and then having to wait so long. And I do have friends who were like, "Oh my God, I can't oh. believe they've never brought you back. Don't they, <laughs> don't they think they should bring you back on Picard?" And I was like, "Yes, I do, I do, I do think so. That would be great. I would love Poker that. Like, that was really hard. That was yeah. really hard." Actually, to hide you and Rolaren, to hide yeah. both of you from the previews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, everyone involved did a great so, job of hiding all of that. Yeah, and it took so long that I eventually just forgot about it, and I had no <laughs> idea. And then I think I had to go in and do ADR. You know what ADR is? You have to go and clean up the yeah. sound. Yep. Um, yep. And. Maybe then I found out when, when it was airing, but it just was ages. Because they shot um, 
season two and three at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's why it took so long. They were still shooting season two, then season two had to air, and then season three had to air. So that's why it was so backed up. Was wow. it a relief when you could finally talk about it? Oh, yes, yes, finally. Yeah. And I said to my friends who are, like, into it, really into it, aren't you glad I didn't tell you? Aren't you glad now that I kept quiet? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, David, did you have a question? Because we haven't heard from you either. Uh, <laughs> a lot of questions that were already answered that I wanted to ask, but um, I guess – my one question was, what was it like working with John Delancey on both Star Trek and uh, Charm? So, I don't think I worked with him on Star Trek. Oh, wait. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I for, I, for some reason, I thought Trek, the Picard one would kind of overlapped. But, yeah. Yeah, I did. I just worked with him on Charmed. And, you know, I said to him... Um, yeah, I'm on, you know, Star Trek. And it was like, you know, who isn't? Like, it's sweet. You can't swing a cat in Hollywood without hitting somebody who's on Star Trek. I, it, it was really, he was lovely, a lovely guy. Um, a lovely guy. I remember that. And on Charmed, it was really funny, Charmed, because um, I remember I was an elder. And I was like, okay, what's an elder? And they're like, you're an all-knowing human being. You know everything. And we're shooting, and I was working with Holly Marie Combs, and I stopped at one point and I said, hold on a second, I'm confused. If I'm all-knowing, why am I asking her so many questions? <laughs> and they looked at me and they said, we don't ask questions like that on this set. <laughs> it's uh-huh. like the Morpheus <laughs> they're about to forehead thing. It's not that kind of show. I was so confused, and I was Hello? <laughs> Do we lose her? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Shark, hello? Oh, oh, hello? Oh, coming hello? back. Hi. Hi, sorry. Is this, That's is, a huge is this difference. my problem? Is this my thing? No, no, no. no, 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 no. That's you cut off. Oh. Yep, we're good. What was the last oh, thing I thought you it heard was you my... <laughs> I thought it was I the said, windstorm, and it you know, cut me off. So, in Charmed, they really hadn't thought through things as carefully as they do on Star Trek. If you say on Star Trek, separate the saucer section, assign a skeleton crew to create a diversion, it sounds like technobabble, but actually it makes total sense. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So it was, a huge, it was mm-hmm. just a huge difference between Charmed and Star Trek. Because yeah. people uh, of those two different viewing audiences sort of pay different attention to different things, and you know the Star Trek people are going to scrutinize oh, yeah. that stuff. Our fan base would yeah. aggressively call that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These days. I mean, it's always kind of been aggressive, but I, I feel like particularly these days with the Internet and that sort of thing, too. <laughs> yeah. And I don't envy the writers. <laughs> no. no, no. Oh, well, cool. Your, your kids... Do your kids, uh, do your children know how cool you are being Shelby, or they just don't really <laughs> care about that? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, my son, the actor, is in Weird, the, at Weird Al Yankovic Fire. Yeah, He's sure. The, um, Danny yeah. You see in the trailer, he goes, dude, I've got chills. That's my son. Wow. wow. That's very cool. That's so cool. 
That's cool. Yeah. Dude, I've got chills. He's the dude I got chills by. That's it's a my great boy. Movie. That is oh, a great and movie. And that's a terrific, terrific line and delivery. He he nailed it. He was great yep. in that. Yep. That's my boy. And then he's in the last three episodes of The Bear. Hmm. Wow. So, oh, that's the second season of The Bear. Yeah. Now, I want to uh, I haven't got around to it yet, but I've heard all wonderful things about it, that it's absolutely incredible and so funny. And I, I work at a restaurant currently, so I should absolutely watch it. It's amazing. And hmm. I, I don't know if you guys, uh, we were, our family is obsessed with succession. Um, and mm-hmm. when succession ended, I was heartbroken. And then uh, the bear came along and it was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Something so to fill the void. Question, to answer your question, my kids, yeah, they think I'm pretty cool, but they are pretty damn cool. That that I mean, to get, when he got on the bear, we were like screaming, screaming. So they're cool enough. He, has he ever asked you to to help him with audition tapes, or do you do you pull out the teaching hat for for your your kids? I um I didn't help him when he was auditioning for high school, but he actually had an audition for um, Horizon, the movie too, and we we had so much fun working on that. Unfortunately, it didn't go his way, but uh, we had a blast working on that. Wow, that's cool. I, I we were yeah. talking about Shakespeare earlier, and I wanted to ask you, yes, Khan or General Chang. Who delivers their Shakespeare better? <laughs> That's a Star Trek question. A Star Trek crossover question. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's Plummer. Are you asking me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tough one. She's already admitted she hasn't seen any Star Trek. Other than I think there's show. no Star Trek uh, knowledge here, <laughs> so question. I don't think there's an opinion necessarily. <laughs> I don't even under- I don't understand the question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a Borg thing, yeah. you know. <laughs> All right. There's two villains, That's one played right. by Ricardo Monteblanc, one played by Christopher Plummer, and they both love to quote Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, haven't seen it. Sorry. They love their Shakespeare. <laughs> so um, Eric was talking earlier. We we have this little part on the podcast where we do good, good admiral, bad admiral. And uh, how, how many – how many admirals are evil, Eric? Just about pretty much oh, all I, of them. Well, there's a pretty good percentage if you look at uh, ultimately the way that they're going about it versus sort of uh, Federation morals. Uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, you did not make the naughty list. <laughs> you are on the good list of admirals right now, which is pretty cool because uh, – I don't have a percentage here, but it's something like at least one-thirds, two-thirds good to bad admirals in Starfleet. It's really amazing. It seems, seems, Eric, like it breaks down by gender, right? All the the good admirals are female. You're right. Bad admirals are men, right? Yeah. Kind of like in life. That's what I've observed. Well, it's true. It's true. And uh, (laughs) many of the men think they're doing the right thing, uh, but aren't because they have kind of a skewed way of looking at it. So yeah, maybe a little uh, selfish, a little greedy, a little power yeah. hungry, you know. So, I, so I don't see thank that as you, much. thank you for representing one of the good ones here because uh, you know thank we need you. to boost that 
that stat just a little bit, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Elizabeth, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to Trek Talk with a bunch of Star Trek geeks. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. Yeah, that was really fun. And it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you. Thank you so much. Shelby comes back and has her own series. Yes, <laughs> let's make it happen. There we go. Star uh, Trek Shelby. Shelby and, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Star I would love Shelby. that. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Good night. It's been a treat. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Farewell. Bye-bye. All right, guys. That was our board specialist, Elizabeth Shelby. Um, Elizabeth Shelby. Uh, Elizabeth. Shelby. <laughs> Put down the scotch, Jim. Put down the scotch. I'm, it's, it's the wind. It's blowing my mind around. <laughs> so um, we kinda, we're kind of we going to go backwards a little bit here because we usually start off the show with our fan shout-out, uh, which we're going to do right now. To be mentioned in the fan shout-out, you guys can head over to our Facebook page, and you'll see a pinned post at the top. And just tell us where you're listening from. So, Eric, why don't we get started with our fan shout-outs for this week? Absolutely. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Dana Ludwig. Dana Ludwig is saying hello to us from Zwickau, Saxony in Germany. Thank you so much for supporting us right there in the center of Europe. We always appreciate our German supporters, and you are not alone. We have a lot of them. So thank you so much, Dana Ludwig. Thank you as well to Petra Lavera. Uh, I practice this too, <laughs> Laverenchik, uh, who's saying hello to us from Nova Gorica in Slovenia. And I have to tell you that Petra, Slovenia was not on our list before, so you have the honor of being our very first person to say hello to us from Slovenia. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast, and it's so cool how far Star Trek reaches, right? We're just all fans, and we just all support the same thing. Uh, regardless of where we are. So thank you so much for saying hello to us. Also saying hello this week to top fan Rafe Verdonk, who is saying hello to us from Lakewood, Belgium, and sends us a little Belgian flag there. And top fan status means that Rafe spends a lot of time on our Facebook page liking and saying hello and posting comments and all that sort of stuff. And we like people who do that, especially uh, Jim, who likes lots of emojis, right, Jim? I like, yes, yes, catch my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so if you want to get Jim's attention, just post lots and lots of emojis. And last but not least on my list is John Sikoris, who is saying hello to us from Greece, gives us a little live long and prosper symbol, and I will say peace and long life to you, brother. And uh, I will pass this shout-out megaphone over to Charles. Take it away, brother. Oh, thank you, Eric. And definitely, I think the top fans were visiting my side. I'm going to start off with a top fan, Carl Wagner from Ottawa, Canada. Uh, Probably snowy up there, but I hear Canada's not been getting the snow like we have neither. Top fan, Danny Bird from Florida. Florida is one of the few states that's warm right now. Welcome to Majori Wood from the Washington Peninsula. I'm thinking that's going to be up north of our Portlanders. And top fan, Frank Klutz, 
from Texas. Welcome, Frank. David, who's on your list? Yeah, hi. I'd like to say welcome to Susan Gilroy-Snicker from North Dakota, USA. Another welcome to Diana Hoffman from Wisconsin, USA. And swinging over, I'm going to say hello to, oh, hello and welcome to Jeff Coe from Virginia, USA, sending us a USA flag. And last on my list is welcome to Rick Edward from Zanesville, Ohio. Paul, who's on your list? Elizabeth Dennehy, man. What a great freaking guest. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That was awesome having her on here. I mean, that's, that's just great. I mean, she's just a, a, a uh, uh, that was a delight, man. Way to way to get a good guest. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, totally. And I'm sure that uh, fans throughout the world uh, have enjoyed her performance, including our good friend Fabian Gallo in Avellaneda, Buenos Aires, in Argentina. And Fabian is flashing us the live long and prosper sign there, and a staunch enthusiast of all things Vulcan, all things Star Trek. So you got to know that uh, Fabian's a Commander Shelby fan. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind, as is top fan Kinua Collins, reaching out to us from uh, all the way over from the beautiful land of Kenya, a flag flying majestically there. Top fan, Kinua, it is great to hear from you. Thank you so much for being a Star Trek fan and for uh, being an enthusiast and, uh, and a follower of our program. Uh, going over to the land of Romania in Bucharest, it's Ioan Oreo Robescu, uh, another great fan for us over there in Europe. And then uh, moving on to the, I believe last time I checked, it was the capital of Portugal. It's Lisbon, where our good friend Alexandra Ramos is uh, saying hello. So we've got fans all over the flipping planet from Portugal to Kenya, to Argentina. They are all over the place. And uh, let's go back to uh, more local climbs. And a good pal, Batleth-wielding Uncle Jim. Kapla! And uh, I'd like to say uh, thank you and welcome to Ryan Matthew Meyer, who's listening to us in the Big Apple, New York City, New York. So thank you for listening, Ryan. Um, yeah. Also, we want to say thank you to Lacey Cunningham, who is in Tennessee. I wonder if Andy knows Lacey. It's possible, right, Andy? Yeah, we, we go out to the same moonshining uh, bars and play <laughs> jugs. That's what you do in Tennessee, I understand. That's yeah, everybody in the Northwest pretty absolutely much, yeah. believes that. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's exactly what we do, yeah. Playing the spoons and all that stuff. Then going out the woods so. and just playing on a banjo. This That's is right. an ironic comment. So thank you for listening to Lacey Cunningham and maybe, just maybe, you'll run into Andy when you're out and about in Tennessee. We also want to say thank you to Karen Smith Maynard who's listening to us in North Carolina, and last but not least, top fan, John Kirkpatrick, who's listening to us deep in the heart of Texas. And that, my friends, fills out our <laughs> entire fan shout-out list for the week. You can head over to our Facebook page and be a top fan. Now, 
I am very busy posting on our Facebook page. I don't know so busy. how I find time to live. You got, I don't know how you do it, place. Jim. It's it unbelievable. Very well populated. And all you need to do to become a top fan is go and check out some of the awesome memes that I post. Uh, lots of articles. We have some articles up there right now about Discovery Season 5, the new Star Trek Picard movie, a new Star Trek 4 movie, the titles of the upcoming episodes of Discovery, all kinds of great stuff you can find over there. All you got to do is comment, and you can become a top fan. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, maybe you'll even get a response back from yours truly, Uncle Jim, because I try to read the comments, and uh, I do patrol frequently, and I get rid of the bad apples. I'm not afraid to open it. <laughs> we have an active people. airlock. <laughs> yes. So we like to have uh, our Trek Talking page to be a safe area for everybody to enjoy Star Trek. So in that vein, I'm not afraid to just say to people, goodbye, if they're acting up. So you never have to worry about that on Trek Talking. And uh, with that, guys, it's time to move on to our birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. You know, my brain, because I'm all kind of thinks backwards sometimes, and I'm all over the place, but I got worried when we were doing the show and we were talking to Elizabeth with all this heavy wind and stuff, and when, when I lost her, I thought my, my, I was going crazy here, and I was trying to oh, figure yeah. out what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, and then you guys yeah, were telling me, no, it's not you, it's not you. Yeah, no, you were fine. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, this thing is going crazy with Elizabeth, and it wasn't I me. What a nope. that was. <laughs> all right, guys, um, we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family saddled up are no longer with us and for that we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim. Uh we have many heavy hitter uh I will say birthdays this week. Uh many people who have significantly influenced the Star Trek community. Uh I just want to start out uh our seven remembrances this week with Victor Vic Tayback. That's right. He was the actor who portrayed Jojo Cracko in the TOS second season episode of Peace of the Action. You know the guy I'm talking about. He started his career back in 1966 and then uh, progressed through the 70s, appearing in some films such as Emperor of the North Pole and The Dawn is Dead. Throughout the 80s, he did a ton of made-for-TV movies, which I thought uh, was probably where I actually got to know him. And then in 1989, he had a little Star Trek crossover, but he didn't know it yet. That's right. He acted with future Star Trek Voyager star Robert Picardo in the comedy Lover Boy, which is uh, kind of a goofy movie. <laughs> Um, so at any rate, Victor Vic Tabak, uh, pretty cool guy, very imposing visage, I would say, uh, but definitely uh, a piece of the action, one of our favorites from TOS. So happy birthday to him. Happy birthday as well to uh, Aaron Eisenberg. And it's it's still hard for me to think that this guy is gone because it was only 2019 where we lost him at age 50. But he, of course, is the actor best known for portraying 
the Ferengi Nog on DS9 all throughout its run. Uh, a significant part of that series, I will say, had an amazing character arc. He reprised that role in some online versions, like Star Trek Online has a Nog that he did some voiceovers for. He also played the Kazon Carr uh, on Voyager, uh, one of his uh, sort of lesser-known roles. But um, just a really cool guy. Uh, I think people like to talk to him. He had some medical issues along the way that prevented him from doing some of the things he wanted to do. But he was still extremely successful and showed up in t- uh, in in a bunch of you know movies and cameo appearances here and there. So uh, I'll just say that uh, we definitely. Uh, were impressed when Star Trek Discovery decided to uh, honor, uh, I think, Aaron Eisenberg and the character of Nog by by showing us the USS Nog, which was, um, in my mind, designed kind of like a Ferengi head, which I thought was really cool. So uh, Aaron Eisenberg, we really miss uh, him. Uh, only four years, uh, I guess, coming up on five years in September here, gone. Uh, happy birthday, uh, and lots of love going out to him and, and people who knew him. Happy birthday this week as well to Alfred Ryder. He was born Alfred Jacob Korn. He's the actor who portrayed Robert Crater in the TOS first season episode, The Man Trap, the the other first episode that we kind of like to talk about. Uh, made well over 100 television appearances along the way. All the classics, Untouchables, Gunsmoke, Outer Limits, Man from Uncle. Uh, you can look at his list. It's it's all over the place. Uh, was in Escape from Witch Mountain, which was one of those movies that I f- remember seeing back in the late 70s. For some reason, it was something mm-hmm. that kind of had an impact on me that uh, I just remember that movie, and he was in that. Also made that cult movie Tracks in 1976 with Dean Stockwell, one of our other uh, Star Trek slash Quantum Leap slash... Uh, Battlestar Galactica guys. So <laughs> happy birthday uh, and lots of love going out to Alfred Ryder this week. Happy birthday as well to Jeremy Kemp. He was the English actor who portrayed Robert Picard. That's right, the brother of our fair Jean-Luc in Next Generation's fourth season episode, Family. Uh, born Edmund Jeremy James Walker in Chesterfield, Derbyshire. He adopted his mother's maiden name as his stage moniker, which I think is kind of a cool pivot. Uh, Began his acting career back in the 1950s and then made rounds at repertoire theaters and later joining the Royal Shakespeare Company at the Old Vic. And if you know how significant that is, uh, good for you, man. It's a pretty cool thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sir Patrick was there. As well, and if you want to know more about the old Vic, maybe you should read his biography because it gives you just a little bit of history in there along with his own personal experience. But Jeremy Kemp and the old Vic Royal Shakespearean Company uh, member uh, definitely appreciated for his Star Trek role as Robert Picard and kind of gets talked about later um, in the Picard series. So happy birthday to Jeremy. Happy birthday as well to Jane Ross. She's the actress best known for playing Tamoon in the TOS second season episode, The Gamesters of Triskelion. This was her only known television acting role, Uh, but she previously made an uncredited appearance in the classic 1957 film, The Sweet Smell of Success. Happy birthday, Jane Ross. 
And now we got a couple of our super heavy hitters as far as I'm concerned. Probably the biggest heavy hitter in terms of Star Trek influence is our dear Nichelle Nichols. Uh, we lost Nichelle Nichols not too long ago at all, and I think we all know who she is. She's a, of course, is known for playing uh, Lieutenant Uhura. Uh, for the longest time, we didn't actually know her first name, but then sort of later we figured out that her first name was Nyota. So Nyota Uhura, played by Nichelle Nichols, the TOS, uh, you know, heroine? Is that too much <laughs> of the bridge? <laughs> Communications heroine, can I say that? Um, uh, also of the animated series, and of course in all six of the original Star Trek films. Um yeah, I don't know. Do you guys want to say anything about Michelle Nichols uh, before I move on here? Just a really significant remembrance going on this week. I mean, what a pioneer! I, think, I mean, you know, yeah, tremendous. I mean, you she, say? you know, she, uh, she spoke openly about how, uh, you know, she had conversations with, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King about the incredible influence and impact that that character created uh, and and changed culture. Frankly, yep. I think in terms of you know pop culture's influence on actual reality and, and society. I mean, truly. So it's just, I, I think you know any actor would say it's it's really rare that you can have that kind of a lasting impact that in some ways opens the door and changes the world for the yeah. generations that come after you. So I mean, a historic history making performance and a, a, a beloved individual for sure. Absolutely, and uh, I yeah. think one of the coolest. And- Oh, yeah, go ahead, Charles. Don't forget all of her work with NASA. Yeah, I mean, I think... She a pivotal role in what she did with NASA. Yep. Yeah, uh, there's a great summary of that in the movie that came out just a few years ago, Woman in Motion. Uh, If you haven't seen that movie, you should probably check it out. It kind of talks about the various influences that uh, Nichelle Nichols had not only on the space program, but I think on society as well um, based on her, you know, taking her position uh, as a black woman on the bridge of the enterprise and, and thanks to Martin Luther King and encouragement from other people to kind of pushing that ball forward as much as she could. So just a really cool movie, really cool lady, uh, Uhura, amazing uh, character that she pioneered, which we now have other folks taking up the helm. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Michelle Nichols. And then our last remembrance this week goes out to Professor Stephen Hawking, the only person on Star Trek to have ever played himself. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, he is uh, seen on the Next Generation episode, All Good Things. Uh, if, if you don't know who Stephen Hawking is, that's okay. But I'll just say that he's probably one of our the greatest minds of our time. Uh, he's, uh, of course, a former professor of mathematics uh, at Cambridge University. Um, we're talking about, like, that's a position that people like Sir Isaac Newton have held in the past. So it's a, an extremely prestigious uh, position. You kind of got to know and what you're talking about. And eventually data. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, Hawking developed the quantum theory of gravity, in which he sought to link the two major themes of physics: quantum mechanics and relativity. He also speculated on the existence of wormholes 
and quantum fluctuations linking multiple universes. That's right, you can thank him for that concept, guys. Hawking's scientific achievements were all the more remarkable because he, of course, was afflicted with a debilitating neural disease that kept him confined to his wheelchair. Uh, and he uh, used his speech synthesis computer to speak. We all kind of know that voice. Uh, and I think when we hear that particular computer voice, we instantly think uh, of Stephen Hawking. So um, just a really cool thing to get him on TNG and be able to be involved in that scene with Sir Isaac Newton. <laughs> you know, not himself, but uh, the character. <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I'll just say happy birthday to uh, a man that I very much admire and I think is, is one of the coolest uh, people who probably ever existed, at least at least in the last couple hundred years, I would say. Uh, so happy birthday to Professor Stephen Hawking. And that, you guys, does it for our remembrances this week. So I'm going to pass this flaming birthday candle quickly over to Charles. Thank you, Eric. And Aaron... Personally, I got to meet him at a Star Trek convention in Vegas. That guy spends spends most of his day in the dealer's room, sitting there just chatting up people, just the friendliest. Used to be actually on our Facebook page, and we were just so trying to get him as one of our guests, and we lost him. That's just one man I wish we had gotten. Yeah. Yeah, that was we kind of were a weird time. I was we were very sort of actively engaged. Yeah, <laughs> he was almost on the podcast. We we were right there, but it, it just wasn't meant yeah. to be. Yeah, wasn't meant. Well, to I'm going to start off start off with a happy birthday to Cliff Potts, who played Admiral Kennelly in TNG's fifth season episode Ensign Row. Eric, the obvious question: Good or bad, Admiral? Ooh, Canelli, uh, that's putting me on the spot, and I do not think I've looked him up, so I'll give you an answer later on in the show. Sorry. <laughs> I don't remember okay. who he is. <laughs> Happy birthday to Michael Hugh. Irish actor played Remy in Star Trek Strange New Worlds first season episode, Sinear and Squall. Happy birthday to Carl Tart. Actor, writer, comedian who voiced Lieutenant Kayshawn in the second and third and fourth season episodes, seasons of Lower Decks. Quick update, Charles Canelli, all bad. All bad. All bad. <laughs> all bad. <laughs> Happy birthday, Haley Todd, actress who played Lull in Star Trek's Next Generation third season episode, The Offspring. One of the most pivotal episodes of TNG of all time that people still talk about as like one of the top episodes and is still relevant in today's society. Unbelievable. Yeah. Agree, now, Eric. Oh. Tough question. The Admiral in that episode. Good, bad. That's a tough one. Yeah, I, I mean, I think overall bad by today's standards. I think maybe judged differently by yesterday's standards. That's what I would say. But he did yeah, help redeem himself at the end when he tried he to help save her. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. He tried to. Yep. He did try to redeem himself. So maybe a short character arc there. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Sorry, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. That's. A- 
Happy birthday to Rachel Emily Nicholas, American actress who appeared as an Orion Starfleet cadet gala in Star Trek 2009. Happy birthday to Deborah Lauren, Le- me, Levin, actress who featured as Ensign Lang in Star Trek Voyager's third and fourth season episodes of Blood Fever, Displaced, and Year in Hell. Oh, that's a great arc. Yeah. You should watch those if you haven't watched Voyager, man. That's a great arc. I think that's a uh, stunt arc, too, in there mm-hmm. from one of our favorite stunt people. I believe you're right. So, taking this flaming candle and tossing it over to Paul. Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it, man. All kinds of folks having birthdays uh, here in this first couple weeks of January. First of all, happy birthday goes out to Matt Brewer, who played the role of Berlinkoff Rasmussen in the Next Generation episode, A Matter of Time. Matt Brewer is a busy guy. He's done tons and tons of work. I mean, a lot of people will uh, think back to... Uh, you know, his uh, his kind of, what would you call it? His digital incarnation, yeah. if you will. Uh, <laughs> Max Headroom. What, what, right? what, 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 what? Oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like, you know, there's TV history right there. And it's in an yeah. odd, strange way. But, but you know, uh, but his voice is unmistakable. He's done so much work. Um, tons and tons of work. Really good uh, zombie picture from 2004, The Dawn of the Dead. He was in that. Uh, the original Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, tons of work. Frankie and Alice, uh, the BFG with Steven Spielberg, uh, Hercules. I mean, watch the Watchmen movie. Uh, he was in that. Really cool actor, and also part of Star Trek, which is just delightful. So happy birthday goes out to you, Matthew Brewer. Um, really, really pleased to be able to say happy birthday to this next actor because he's one of my favorites. Um, we're talking about the guy who played Zobral in the Enterprise first season episode, Desert Crossing, but I could go on for hours about the legendary Clancy Brown, okay, who Sergeant I first Cooper. saw. <laughs> Sergeant Zim, the enemy cannot blow you up if you disable his hand. I mean, he's just great. He's the he current man. man. Yeah. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption, right? Uh, And he does a ton of voice work. I mean, just a ton. Um, He, of course, if you're a Rebels and Ahsoka fan Mm -hmm. uh, on Star Wars, you would have known that he played Governor Ryder Azadi in both the animated and live-action incarnations of the same character there. He's done uh, Transformers stuff. He's done John Wick pictures. I mean, the guy just never takes a day off and he's unmistakable he's just got that voice and that look you can't possibly miss he burst on the scene as the villainous kurgan in the original highlander picture and i don't think he's taking a day off mm-hmm. so i mean to be in the star trek and star wars kind of a rare thing clancy brown you're a legend and a class act all the way happy birthday and many 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 more we freaking love you man so that's what i say <laughs> yeah agreed Hundred percent. Really, really, a legend. I freaking love you, man. <laughs> yeah, he's just the best. Um, happy birthday, also, um, to a man of few words <laughs> in the Star Trek universe. But we all know this cat because we're talking about Mark Allen Shepard. Who am I talking about? Well, he's an actor and artist from Rockville Center, New York. But we all know him as that strong, silent guy sitting at the end of the bar 
in Deep Space Nine who played Morn. <laughs> no, wait, okay? he talks too much, right? He's, he, He'll he talk your ear off yeah. if you give him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I treasure my Morn action figure. I am a big fan. It was, of course, inspired by Norm on Cheers, a little dyslexic uh, wordplay there, uh, but done with affection and uh, um, iconic presence in Star Trek. So Mark Allen Shepard, you showed up for work a lot and you wore a lot of uh, prosthesis, man, in the course of your career. Uh, not easy, man, but but man, you're left in quite a presence there. So happy birthday. I hope you're doing well and continuing to uh, leave an indelible presence wherever you know. Feel I must grab the emergency break and stop the show at this point because I'm super excited to say happy birthday to this guest. And God, I hope she's listening. Because one of her best friends was just on the show a few minutes ago. Uh, because we learned earlier that our good friend Elizabeth Dennehy, who is just the best guest ever, is good friends with this person, the magnificent, fabulous Michelle Forbes. Okay, we're talking about the actress who played Ro Laren in eight episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and then came back to reprise that role very recently in the third season of Picard. Okay? Michelle Forbes is unbelievable. I mean, she's done so much stuff. Um, check out a really great picture that she did uh, with David Duchovny called California with a K. It's badass and really, really cool. She was in uh, the Escape from New York sequel, Escape from L.A. She was on True Blood. She was in the Hunger Games pictures. Um, she has done so much stuff. She had an indelible part on uh, a good arc of Battlestar Galactica, mm, right? Where she played, about it. Like, oh, so good. So kind, good. Of a, kind of a bad person in the way. I mean, Helena uh, Kane, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Admiral, Admiral Kane. Kane. Is just you want to like, talk like of, good Admiral, bad Admiral Kane? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't turn my back on her for five minutes. <laughs> nope. She's been on The Walking Dead. She's been on Boston Legal. She's been on Galactica. She's been on like... Uh, I, I don't, we don't have enough time. I mean, this is only a couple hour long show. But I mean, my wish is this. Okay, if there's any chance at all that our new good friend of the show, uh, Elizabeth Dennehy, could get on the phone and say, hi, good friend, uh, Michelle Forbes, they are really cool over there <laughs> totally. on uh, Trek Talk, and, and you really need to be a lit, uh, guest on the show. And I don't know what kind of caffeine or chemicals or substances or edibles that we need to feel, feed Uncle Jim to make this happen. But Uncle Jim, can you please get Michelle Forbes as a guest on the show <laughs> God, for it? That would be unbelievable. There, I'm going to breathe again and continue on, but happy birthday to one of the great performers of, I think, uh, and just memorably fabulous, Michelle Forbes. So we love you, and please come on our show. Transitioning gently over to... <laughs> Paul wipes the sweat from his brow. A little bit. Just sorry. I was just excited. Uh, to when, when, this, you know, when you can get Clancy Brown and Michelle Forbes on the same day, oh you're, you know, you're doing something right. So I... I can you imagine a movie with those two together? Oh, that, movie. that would be off the hook. That two badasses who just badass everywhere they go. That would be just so cool. <laughs> Sorry. Happy birthday goes out to Shari Nims, who portrayed Sayana in original series Star Trek second season episode, The Apple, which we've been talking about a lot because David Soul just passed away as, uh, recently. Yeah. And so people have been revisiting The Apple. But Sayana is a pretty uh, indelible presence on that show. And, you know, she was like, looked like a, she just stepped off the 
you know, the the you know the beach in London, outside of uh, <laughs> California. Space, there, crazy but, space outfit, man. You yeah, hey, I'm, I'm blonde. Are you blonde? I'm blonde. And hey, I don't know if you have a surfboard, but we're all blonde here. Uh, but hard to forget. So Shari Nims, happy birthday! And closing out uh, my list here with a really cool character actor of the really awesome uh, Mitchell Ryan. Okay, from Kentucky, uh, Louisville parts there. And we honor him from the second season episode, The Icarus Factor, where he played Kyle freaking Riker. Okay, Uh, pretty amazing uh, story, I think. It's really cool uh, to see the the Riker family reunion, if you will. I think that's pretty, pretty neat. Um, But this is a guy who you you see that face and it's just like, where have I seen this guy? Well, you've only seen him about 3,000 movies. Yeah. Right. He's he's been in everything. Gross Point Blank. I did a Halloween picture as Dr. Wynn. He was in Lethal Weapon. He does a ton of uh, voiceover work. He was on like the Justice League doing that. He's been on the West Wing. He's been like uh, Dark Skies, Liar Liar. I mean, you just name it. He's just been working for years, one of these guys. One of the unsung, terrific character actors. But if you haven't watched that uh, Riker-centric episode uh, there, it's pretty cool to see a little bit more of his backstory and chat of Alaska uh, going on there, but uh, it's cool. So I really think it's great. Um, I think it's nice to get uh, those characters who are related to them. We get more of the backstory from meeting their relatives. So really, really neat. Mitchell, Ryan, you are awesome and happy birthday to you. And I will go ahead and stop talking and start breathing and (laughs) (laughs) over. That's right. To uh, the man in the big chair, the man who uh, makes all the commands, uh, Captain Jim, take it away, sir. Well, I only have five birthdays uh, on my list here, but I like to give the, you know, I like to spread out the wealth and, and I like to hear you guys talk because it's so much fun uh, sharing this show with you guys. So I really enjoy that. So I've got, I've got a couple. First, we want to say happy birthday to Marco Sanchez. And you're saying, who is that? Well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, he played Corporal M. Romero in Star Trek Enterprise third season, the Zindi. However, um, if you're a fan of uh, 90s sci-fi, I bet you know him from the only TV series that Roy Scheider ever did, Sequest DSV. And uh, he starred on that as the communications officer on all three seasons. So happy birthday to Marco Sanchez. I like, I like to think of that as Star Trek Underwater. Because that's mm-hmm. that's what I always think. It basically, is I think, yeah. that, I think that Roy Scheider would have made a great Starfleet captain. I really do. Yeah. If you put him on a starship, he would have fit right in. He would have been perfect. Scheider's but, um, the best man. Scheider's just yeah. the best. Big fan. He, he he rocked it. He rocked it. So happy birthday to Marco Sanchez. We also want to say happy birthday to Jonathan Farwell. He's the actor who played Captain Walker Keel the guy that introduced Beverly um, to uh, her husband, Jack. Uh, you can see him in the Star Trek The Next Generation first season episode, Conspiracy. The and best. The best. been an episode screaming out for a sequel, guys. Paramount, if you're listening, this is the one. This is it. You need to do it. You know, who were these creatures? Where did the message go? Come on. It's been long enough. Let's, let's, let's get to it. Finish that up for us. Wrap up the storyline. Happy birthday! You know what? That would be a great. That would be a great Trek skit for Andy to mm-hmm. do. Have, have Chekhov <laughs> taken over by one of these little plug things and 
think that he's Admiral Kirk. Easy enough to do, like yeah. Just stick a little like thorn out my neck, boom. There you go, easy. <laughs> and uh, last uh, on my list of non-Klingons, although now she does work with a Klingon, but uh, we want to say happy birthday, a very happy birthday to the awesome Michelle Hurd, who played Rafi on Star Trek Picard, and most recently was hanging out with Worf. Um, they, I don't think they were in Section 31, but they were in some covert spy thing. Uh, well, and, and Jim, I'll just say I'm super excited because this weekend is Fandom Fest here in Portland, and Michelle Hurd is one of our guests, and she's actually going to be part of a panel where she talks with uh, a couple of other actresses. I can't remember, somebody from Walking Dead and somebody from another show about being kick-ass women on television. So I'm very excited about seeing that. I thought on I Saturday. heard something about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's going to be That'll great. That'll be a good one. And I always save the Klingons for last, and tonight is no exception. We want to say kapla to Jamelio Ross, the actress, comedian, and singer who played Lucada in Star Trek Strange New World second season episode, The Broken Circle. And uh, last on my list, we want to say kapla to Sherman Augustus, former NFL player turned actor. Oh, God. They had to put this word. They had to do this, put the name in Klingon, who played the Barge of the Dead. <laughs> and with that, guys, that wraps up our birthdays. And uh, I think we oh, have you missed one. Oh, what do you got? Yeah, you missed you miss a Star Trek actor. Uh, he was a member of the only Paramount-produced Star Trek stage play to ever happen. And he was – many people consider him to be the greatest actor ever to play Pavel Chekhov, ever. Andy Bray had a birthday Whoa! this past no. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday. man. Wow. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But I toot my You're own horn a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Nope. Well, you know what? January 9th, I share it with Richard Nixon. We did. Oh, well, wow. You know what? We have, we have a tradition. <laughs> we have we a do. special tradition here <laughs> on Trek. You get a couple. <laughs> very special cases and for very close friends. And no, it's not us singing, although that would be very special. <laughs> this is out to our special, special birthdays. And this is Weird Al, and we're going to send this one out to the one and only Andy Chekhov Bray. Happy birthday, Andy. And, you know, i got to tell you, you. It, it sounds much better in its original Russian. 
Verdal Yankovic, fellow Russian. Well, Andy, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Weird Al fan. When she mentioned that her son was in that movie, I nearly yelped. I know, such a good movie. And Andy, I'll just like add as a personal note, it it has been a delight to add you to the podcast over the last like I don't know two or two, three, four years, however long it's been. Um, You have a great personality. Your your acting stuff is so funny. Your book, of course, um, was amazing, and it's just been super cool to have you along for the ride because it feels like you have the same vibe that we have, man. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you guys have brought me on the show. I've had such a blast every time I get to hang with you, and I yeah, I feel that Star Trek. Connection across the airwaves, and I enjoy just hanging out and talking Trek with you guys. It's cash, man, super cash. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny? This was supposed to be the Major Mania show, and I Andy know everything has been so mixed up. Oh my gosh. And everything got, you know, when when I got in touch with Elizabeth and she said I could do Thursday, everything had to be changed immediately. Yep, drop and that's everything. That's how up with us talking with Elizabeth tonight. Just happened. Yeah, Elizabeth excitement instead of major mania. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, Eric, I think we have we have we have one last story that I think we we really need to squeeze in before we run out of time. Yeah, you want to squeeze yes. in the uh, Starsky and Hutch story here? Yeah, uh, I think I we need. No, uh, no, Eric. Yeah. Do we need to talk about David. Uh, well, I think I think we're gonna skip to the uh, the Starsky and Hutch story. No, uh, no. David Don't Soul. you yeah. have a memorandum today? Somebody you want to speak about? Oh, I do. Yes, thank you so much. I actually meant to do that during uh, the remembrances. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Charles. Um, yeah, so uh, just one more remembrance real quick, guys. Um, uh, here on the podcast, one of the things that we've loved to talk about in the past is Star Trek Attack Wing, which is a awesome game uh produced by WizKids, uh tactical you know starships fighting each other and uh one of the pillars of the star trek attack wing community david montgomery um who was a person who ran a uh a youtube channel along the way but but moreover was just this guy who supported the attack wing community during the years that uh, the company wasn't producing anything for the game or uh, really, you know, supporting the game too much, this guy was producing videos uh, about builds and uh, ways to play the game. Uh, There was a fantastic podcast that for years he helped produce called State of the Federation, uh, where they talked about strategy for the game. And unfortunately, this week we lost David Montgomery um, unexpectedly. He was a pretty young guy, under 40 years old. And uh, it was just a a huge blow to the people who pay attention to this game and who um, have known David for years. Uh, And so we just wanted to make sure that we acknowledged the passing this week of David Montgomery, uh, Star Trek Attack Wing, I'll just say pillar of the community. I can't come up with a better way to say it. He's he's just a person who was so influential in so many ways, um, and uh, we really will miss him. So 
Charles, and, do you want to say anything about David or 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 yet? Yeah, uh, no, I know Jim, I, you have another connection as well. Yeah, I wanted to jump in a little bit about David because back when Star Trek Attack Wing first came out, a GM Chris. So you know, Star Trek has so many fingers; it's like roots everywhere, connections to everybody. So GM Chris, who was uh, who's been on this podcast, uh, used to have his own. Okay, I hear you. Used to have her, his own Wandering In YouTube channel where him and Captain Stu would do Star Trek Attack Wing. And I reached out to him and had him on this podcast as a guest. And we used to do a Star Trek Attack Wing segment every once in a while. But nothing nothing um, that was, um, you know, permanent. Um, but Star Trek Attack Wing kept growing. And then I ran into David. And David actually came on the podcast and was a co-host on this podcast for a while. And uh, then I think Charles, were you were you here at the tail end of David? I don't think I was. Okay, so um, David decided to go and start. Um, I think it was at the shipyard, State of the Federation. State of the Federation, yeah. Yeah, David went to start State of the Federation, and then GM Chris came on this podcast and did Vax's Shipyards. And we, so we continued our Star Trek Attack Wing without David. So David was connected to this podcast as well. So I just wanted to commemorate him and let everybody know that David was part of the Trek Talking history as well. And he will definitely be missed. In fact, I believe Eric actually has competed against David once. I have. I actually played against David in the 2018 uh, Nationals for Star Trek Attack Wing. Uh, We played against each other. Uh, I was able to defeat David, but that was a minor victory simply because David's, like, prowess in the game was amazing, and he was always trying to be creative. David, you would have loved this guy because he was always coming up with creative builds and he didn't necessarily build for power he built for interest which i thought was really a cool way to play the game um he just loved using all the cards you know (laughs) so yeah we'll we'll miss him for sure and uh i i still want to i still want to get to this one last story because i can't push this one to next week this one uh this one kind of has to be tonight, so we're yeah, going to go over by a couple of minutes, but I think it's okay. Yeah, um, so the actor David Soule, uh, half of Starsky and Hutch, uh, dies at 80 years old, unfortunately, this week. Actor David Soule, who earned fame as the blonde half of crime-fighting duo Starsky and Hutch, Star- <laughs> Starsky, excuse me, and Hutch in the popular 1970s television series has died at the age of 80 years old. His wife, Helen Snell, said Friday that David Soul, beloved husband, grandfather, father, and brother died yesterday after a valiant battle for life in the loving company of his family. He shared many extraordinary gifts in the world as actor, singer, storyteller, creative artist, and dear friend, she said in a statement, his smile, laughter, and passion for life will be remembered by the many whose lives he has touched. Soul portrayed Detective Ken Hutch Hutchinson alongside Paul 
uh, Michael Glossier as Detective David Starsky in Starsky and Hutch. It ran on ABC between 1975 and 1979 and grew so popular it spawned a host of children's toys. Jim, do you have any of those? Oh, I might have a car, a, a matchbox floating around somewhere. That would be so cool. Uh, at the height of his fame, Soul also hit the music charts with a single, Don't Give Up On Us, which I just rewatched the music video for. It's on YouTube. So uh, search David Soul, Don't Give Up On Us on YouTube and enjoy that. Soul has lived in Britain or had lived in Britain for many years, performing in several stage roles. In 2001, he won a libel case against a journalist who called The Dead Monkey, a play that Soul was in, the worst production he had ever seen without actually watching the thing. <laughs> so good for you, David. Yeah, you got to go after those nut ears uh, who say stuff like that. Soul also played the titular talk show host in Jerry Springer, the opera in uh, London's West End. Soul and Glossier had cameos in the 2004 big screen remake of Starsky and Hutch, starring Ben Stiller as Starsky and Owen Wilson as Hutch. Soul also appeared on Star Trek, of course, as Morka in the episode The Apple. So uh, David Soul unfortunately lost this week. We will absolutely miss you. And Starsky and Hutch is one of those shows that I remember watching with my dad when I was a kid. Um, it was like primetime television in the 70s and, uh, you know, action, adventure, guns, uh, all kinds of cool stuff, cars, car chases, which I loved as a kid. So we will miss David Soul. And uh, I know we're going to go over a couple minutes, but I think that's okay because we had Elizabeth Dennehy on, guys. How cool was that? So uh, cool. Was yeah. was I, cool. I hate to go off uh, – I just want to also say that there was another, we had another death um, this week, uh, Cindy Morgan. Uh, people might not recognize her name, but um, she was in Caddyshack, which is a, if you were a teenage boy growing up in the 80s, you know who yeah. Cindy Morgan is. You uh, do, yeah. She had that you, look, the you know, hair, man. Woo, the just, Tron uh, thing, the, like Morgan. her in the Tron uniform is like, woo. Yes, for for me, the reason why I bring this up is because Tron has a very very special heart place in my heart because uh, back in the summer of 1982, when I was but a wee sprig in high school, I went on my first date with my wife to see Tron. Cutting edge technology at its best, top flight, and I took her to see Tron. It's amazing she's still with me, but she is. She hates. <laughs> hates hate that movie with a passion. I try to put it on to celebrate our anniversary. She wants nothing to do with it. She hates it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but uh, but for me, it holds a special place in my heart, and I was heartbroken when I, when I heard the news that yeah. uh, she had passed away, and I just wanted to take a moment to mention her and remember her on tonight's show. Uh, I've, I only remember ever seeing her in Tron and Caddyshack I'm sure that she's done more than that, but those those two movies were very influential on me as a as a young teenage boy in the '80s. So, uh, Cindy Morgan, we definitely will miss you. And guys, I know we went over a little bit, and I apologize for that. But I I have to send out a huge thank you to Elizabeth Dennehy for taking time out of her schedule 
to visit with us here. And I want to let you know that we are going to be talking with uh, Robin Curtis and Baj Potenza from Star Trek Three: The Search Ooh. for Spock. I also have a show scheduled for the first of next month with Greg Sargent, who played the Andorian security officer Thon in Star Trek Enterprise episode, The Andorian Incident. So if you're an Andorian fan, you definitely want to tune in for that because we're definitely going to be talking about Andorian makeup and those tentacles. So you're going to want to tune in for that as well. We are giving away a copy of Star Trek Picard's memoirs, making it so. And all you have to do is go to our our, uh, trektalking.com page, click on the blue talkback mic in the bottom right-hand corner, and leave us a message and tell us why you deserve to win a copy of the book. We will pick a winner and play their winner's message on the book nook on the 25th where we're going to review the book. I want to say thank you so much to Andy Bray for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Andy. My pleasure as always. I love joining you guys. Thank you. And I want to say thank you so much to David for hanging out with us tonight so much. Thank you, David. You're welcome. This has been fun. And I want to say thank you to Paul for hanging out with us as well. Thank you so much, Paul. Great show, Jim. Thank you, man. Thank you. Elizabeth was great, wasn't she? Tremendous. Really good. Really terrific guest. And thank you so much to Charles for hanging out with us and Trek Talking. Thank you, Charles. Damn, Jim, two weeks in a row with guests. Mm-hmm. You had a wow. great setup. <laughs> that, that, this one kind of, this one popped up. When she messaged me and said, I'm free on Thursday, that's all I needed to hear. It's a done mm-hmm. deal. <laughs> what you a way to start 2024. You don't tell yeah. Shelby no. <laughs> uh, exactly. She'll send me back like a first cadet. <laughs> And thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us as well. Absolutely, Jim. And uh, give me a call when you guys want to talk about For All Mankind, because I've apparently infected the entire team with a lust to watch this show, and it's amazing. It's great. You know, the uh, the season finale just dropped today, so uh, it's available now for the current season. If I came I came home from work and the wife wanted to continue watching it. We were on episode four. Now we're up to episode six, so uh, she's hooked on it too, which is great. Because anytime we can watch a movie without her telling me this is stupid, that's great. So um, thank you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to say thank you to Edwin for calling in and asking Elizabeth a question. Thank you so much, Edwin. And thank you so much to each and every single one of you guys, no matter where you're listening to us from. Uh, We appreciate it because Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello. You have reached the Q Continuum. 
We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.